I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we're so excited to have Elise Proctor on, owner of Canine Company. She shares her experiences of having her own reactive dogs and how that has shaped and impacted her pet care business to this day. From starting her own training groups to specifically focus on owners with reactive dogs to make a more inclusive and welcoming environment, to writing her very own book about her experiences as being a pet sitter to help shed a little bit of light on what it's like. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Elise Proctor, and I run Canine Company, which is offering dog walking services and training services in Lancaster, UK. And um, I work with my husband. I'm quite lucky in that respect. Um, (laughs) And um, I have staff as well um, who help me. So uh, why did you decide to start Canine Company? It's a long story, actually. I actually used to be a history teacher, um, of all things. Um, And I wasn't too happy in that environment. And I quit my job. And the dog walker that I was using to walk my own dog was, um, I contacted her and I said, I won't need a dog walker anymore because I'm unemployed. And um, she says, well, do you want to do a few hours working for me, um, helping out with the dog? So I said, yeah, sure. And I just absolutely loved it. And it was just fantastic. Such a different environment. Fell in love with the dogs, really. And thought, this is what I want to do. You know, I had lots of experience with dogs in the past. Um, I've always grown up with dogs. I've had reactive dogs uh, most of my life. So Um, (laughs) I've never had an easy ride with dogs. I I fell in love with the job, really. And I wanted to help more and more dogs. And in that role of working for another business, I wasn't able to offer the different services that I offer now. Um, I wasn't able to connect, I suppose, with as many dogs because it was just a small dog walking business and they only did one walk a day. It was just very small scale. So I wanted to create something that would be, you know, offering the best in Lancaster the dogs and so i set up my own business well that's really cool i mean you found like you kind of just awoke to that passion of being able to work with dogs like oh wow this is awesome and and then that next step of i want to be able to do it my way i want to be able to do this the best possible way to lead you into starting something that has been very um like a, a wonderful experience for you Definitely. I mean, I always loved animals and dogs in particular. I always grew up with dogs. You know, when I was younger, the only way you could get into that working with dogs was to be a vet. That was the only sort of career path. And I I didn't want to be a vet. It never occurred to me to be a dog walker. You know, Um, it was just something that I never even thought of as a possible career. And when I quit teaching and, and, you know, made the move. I just fell in love with the dogs. You know, they 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 became my friends and, and they became my family. Um, and that's the same now with my own business. You know, the dogs that we have have walked with us for years, and you know, they are they are like my children, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they do become that. I mean, you see them so frequently, especially if you're offering 
very, you know, these, these type of walks and these training sessions, I mean, you just invest so much into them and you spend so much time with them that it's just really natural that they, they do become part of your family and you do begin to think of them like that. So you grew up with, with dogs. Do you have any pets now? I do, yeah. I have a rescue dog called Milo Anubis, and he is a German Shepherd cross Labrador cross Collie. Um, he is nine years old. He looks like a small black wolf, and um, he has fear aggression. He's, when I rescued him, he was feral, um, and... It took a long time to get him right, <laughs> which is where I, I sort of learned all my skills, actually. Mm. Um, my last dog before Milo, um, he he was the opposite. He, he was very fearful of dogs. He was attacked when he was a puppy, and he used to run away from other dogs, whereas Milo runs to other dogs to bite them and then run away. That's his mm. little that he has. You've mentioned a couple times working with reactive dogs. How has that played into how you treat and handle and deal with the dogs that are your clients these days? Yeah, all dogs are assessed um, first before they even come out with us. So I need to understand what type of reactivity they have. And so um, the customers have to answer lots of different questions um, about their dog and what sets them off, their triggers, all of that sort of thing. We, we are a little bit picky, I suppose. <laughs> uh, we don't just take any reactive dog. Um, you know, we want to make sure that the dogs will fit in and that, you know, we feel that we can bring them into a group safely. Um, there are some dogs that we take who are more reactive than others, but um, we feel that they're, we can be like a big help to them and and they can be a bit of a project for us at the time um so yeah we assess them before they come out with us and then we introduce them very um gradually because we do group walking and so because i have staff and my my husband um, there's plenty of us to facilitate that so what do those walks look like? Because I think you also do off-lead walks where you where you go. So how what is that process for you? How many people are out with you on the team and, and all of that? I mean, there's there's a lot involved with doing off-leads for you. There is, yeah. Um, the walks look, it's hard to explain, but we're, <laughs> we're quite lucky, I suppose, because we rent farmland, which is private in Lancaster. And so we have a secure field where they can run free. And dogs with poor recall, that isn't a problem for us um, quite the same. For reactive dogs or dogs who, you know, tend to run off and, and don't come back, um, it's a perfect environment for them. And they, they get on with the other dogs. You know, um, it's great that they can socialise in a group. And a lot of the dogs that have been with us a long time, they show them the ropes i suppose well no you mentioned like part of that is yeah you have to go through this introducing uh, a new dog to the to to the group but as you mentioned you also have this great resource of the dogs that are already there like they're going to show them the ropes they're going to show them what's okay what's not okay so there's this they get both ends they get the the human instruction and they get their peer instruction i guess whenever they're out on those new walks yeah and they're introduced gradually you know we don't just sort of lump them all in together and hope for the best it's it's a gradual process where we allow them to safely sniff one another and 
you know, feel okay and, and grow their confidence and, you know, learn to trust us as people True. and learn to trust the other dogs that they're with. Um, because it took a long time for, for my own dog to trust other dogs not to bite him. He, he was very fearful that the other dogs would attack him. And it took him a long time to trust, you know, certain breeds were a trigger for him. And so mm-hmm. he's he's doing a lot better now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. And as you said, you get to be you have the luxury of getting to be picky with the clients that you bring in because you do go through that extensive uh, assessment mm-hmm. for them so you can see if they're really going to be a good fit or not. Uh, what is that? What does that assessment look like whenever you are looking to bring on a new client? Um, we arrange a meet and greet. So we go to the home and we talk through um, with the customer. We meet the dog. Um, we stay there for a while. Um, we've got a, a form that they fill out with all the sort of different questions on and all different types of information that we might need. And yeah, it's, it's just about talking through with the customer and just being aware of what common things pop up and you know we ask the customer what it is that they would like us to focus on perhaps you know maybe it might be separation anxiety or general obedience you know like oh they don't listen to me you know if you can get them to come back that'd be great um so we ask the customer what they would like from us as well as what we you know would like from them yeah that that when i hear that i'm hearing making sure that everybody's expectations are aligned and in the proper proper mindset so that each person is going to have each end of the party is going to have the best possible outcome during a stay or during a visit or during a walk yeah we also do like progress reports um for the dogs as well so like if one they were taken on a dog and you know sometimes the dogs might need a bit of extra work Mm. um from the the customer because sometimes we only see a dog maybe once a week so you know it's really difficult for us to help with certain issues so we might recommend them in like a progress report to um you know come to our obedience training or we might say this dog's doing really well you know maybe they'd like to join our agility classes you know so it it works both ways right and part of that is being attentive seeing where work needs to be done and 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 being honest enough to communicate to that to the client that i know Many pet sitters have a hard time telling an owner the bad news or like, they're really not doing well with this. Uh, But you're able to offer a solution to that. You're able to go, hey, we're seeing some issues here. We can try X, Y, Z and see what happens. Yeah, we we, we try our best. I mean, we're not here to, you know, judge owners because sometimes there isn't enough time to, to work with your dog or, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. But you know, if we can advise and help, you know, we will, uh, you know, because the dogs come first. And if we see some need for improvement, we are going to suggest it. So, for example, I had a couple who had quite a reactive, well, not a reactive dog, but like a hyperactive dog and lovely dog. <laughs> um, but it was down to the nutrition. Um, and I realized that they were on this quite bad food that was full of grains and wheat and stuff which gave natural sugars and made them more hyperactive so i recommended you know a different a different food stuff and since then you know the dogs calmed down a lot and is more 
less charging around and bumping into the other dogs, more, more socially aware as well, you know, and the behavior as well as has improved. So you, you don't realize um, sometimes how important nutrition is for dogs. Um, but it's just little things like that that I can see that I might suggest. And, um, you know, if it helps the dogs and their owners, then that's what we're here for. Yeah. I, how how receptive do you find most of your clients are to that kind of information when you give that to them? It differs. I mean, mostly I have, I'm very lucky to have fabulous customers who do listen to what I say and do take it on as like, this is advice. You know, I'm not trying to butt in. Um, but I do find like younger couples who have just got their first dog who are still learning and they don't know everything yet um, they're they're very receptive you know <laughs> to, to my yeah. suggestions like please help us um so yeah they're, they're much more receptive um to change you know and uh, you know all our customers are they're, they're really quite you know they know that we care about their dogs I think that's the difference they know we're, yeah. we're saying it for the good of the dogs Right. Yeah. Because that's part of that trust. That's part of the relationship that you work on from day one with the client. So that when you need to explain that kind of information, when you need to have that conversation of, look, this might be a problem, they trust you enough to go, okay, this person has the best interests, uh, both myself and my dog at heart. But that is a, that's a process. Yeah. You're right. You have a tagline, walking while you work. And I'm wondering where that came from and how you use that in communicating your services to your clients. Um, well, I, I just quite like alliteration, to be honest. Uh, you know, I was thinking about the types of customers that I wanted to attract. Um, and it's customers who were working away um, from home, long hours, you know, the nine to five, I suppose. Um, and the dog needs a break in the day. Um, so we can come and walk your dog while you're at work. And then when you get home, you know, your dog will be nice and happy because it's been walked. It's had a little rest and it's ready to, to play with you as you get home. That was the idea behind it. Um, but actually, um, our client base is much more varied. You know, we have elderly people, disabled customers um, who are unable to walk their dogs. So we see them very regularly because they're in. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's really great to, to speak to the customers. Um, we have a lot of people who work from home, um, particularly now, um, and they, they just want a dog walker because their dog's nagging them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're trying to do your work on your laptop and the dog's coming and putting his ball on your laptop and uh, yeah. stopping you from doing your work and, um, you know, nagging to go out. So um, we've got a lot of customers like that who, who are just like, we need you to wear out our dog so we've got a bit of time to do our work. <laughs> Yeah, just need some space. Yeah. <laughs> so you also offer um, dog training sessions. Uh, what are those like and where did those come from? Why did you start those? Um, I, I started them because I, I used to go to a lot with my dog, um, obviously with him being reactive. Um, it was quite painful because everyone else's dog was fairly well behaved. You know, mine was lunging and barking and you know, making a, a menace out of the class and he was the worst one in the class and people would look at me and, you know, scowling. And, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. it, it wasn't a pleasant experience. And so 
you know, when I got to the stage where I was working with dogs, um, I wanted to produce classes that were inclusive and fun, but also, you know, not not strict classes where it's, you know, you're punishing dogs for doing wrong things. You know, it's meant to be an opportunity for owners to bond with their dog and grow their dog's confidence and make sure that they feel safe and happy. Um, and, you know, even now, like I have dogs in my classes who are over exuberant or barky and, you know, I just try and be as inclusive as I can um, because I know what it's like. You know, I hear that and I'm going, yeah, you have these owners who maybe just don't know what to do. And they, they're maybe, as you mentioned, maybe embarrassed to go to the, the typical training session or and don't feel like they have that bond. And you're giving them an environment. Say, hey, I, I understand where you're coming from. This is specifically designed for you to have some time with your dog. And we're going we're gonna to work together. I can imagine just the transformative power that that has on on them and their their relationship with their pet. Yeah, I, I find a lot of um, customers come to me after they've been to all the training classes, um, and they said that you know it was very sort of generic and not diverse enough for them, I suppose. Hmm. Um, so it was very sort of like your dog must sit, and this is how they sit, and you know it's very sort of formulaic. Um, sure. And it wasn't personable um, where I, you know, being a teacher from that background, you know, I, I, I make a lot of jokes and make a fool out of myself, you know, make it funny um, so that they laugh. And, that, you know, we say, you know, this is the way to do it. And, you know, keep keep going. You know, I was in your boat before. You know, I had a reactive dog who was a nightmare. Um, and you know, it doesn't matter because mine's okay now and yours will be okay. You know, it's giving them confidence to progress because a lot of it is the owner that, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't know what to do. They've got this reactive dog. They love it to bit, but they just don't know what they're doing and they just need guidance and a bit of sympathy, really. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, again, that safe area, that safe space and, and that confidence that they have to know that they can do something about this. They can help their dog. They can help work through that and be be more of a team. And really just, you know, I can imagine how when they come in and are more relaxed, are more at ease, see other people going through similar struggles, like I that that would probably I, I I'd want to be there. Like that what a great community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, talking of community, I do run a group um on Facebook actually. Um called Dogs in Lancaster and it's for people in Lancaster to communicate with each other arrange walks with each other you know get advice from different businesses that are local and you know just share pictures share experiences you know and we do like to think of ourselves as you know a community based business because mm. you know all we want to do is help dogs and improve the lives of dogs and their owners through what we do. I absolutely love that. I mean, you you are bringing people together and and connecting them with resources, helping them get plugged in with other people and and building that, right? And just going, "Hey, there are other let's get dog people connected with dog people." Like what could be better than that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's great. It's great to see the progress of some of the dogs. 
um you know and you know it's nice that people are asking for advice and help and there's lots of people saying well have you tried this have you tried that um and people who have been lost and you know they've got this puppy it's having problems they don't know what to do um you know advice is just there and it's all positive you know there's no sniping or judgment or trolling it's all about you know have you tried this this could work you know maybe chat to this person and it's all about connections yeah no those connections really do help help everybody in the end i mean just because you you may not have an exact answer you may know somebody who has an answer and having a, a, a group like that really does build and support everybody up Have you heard about Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Critter Sitters has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for a new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. How has that community been impacted in response to COVID and recently in your area? Pre-lockdown and pre-COVID, you know, things were good here. Um, there was a lot of dog walking businesses and a lot of dog businesses generally. You know, there's lots of dogs in Lancaster. <laughs> People love their dogs here. And, you know, the, the place is, is pretty rural. You know, we're not far from the Lake District. So, you know, there's multiple dogs per household over here. So, you know, and it, it, it's, it's a nice city. You know, it's a university city. People are well off. You know, they can afford to spend money on their dogs. And so that was good. But then with COVID, <laughs> everything just got through into chaos, really, because, right. you know, businesses are really struggling, um, particularly because people are working from home. And um, so, I mean, dog groomers have only just sort of opened back up. Um, so they've struggled as well. and. You know, with, with people working from home, it's really impacted the industry. But on the other side of it, um, because people have been off work and they've been reassessing their lives, um, there's been quite a surge in people starting up dog walking. Hmm. <laughs> um, but undercutting the pre-existing businesses that were here. Um, sure. So that has led to a little bit of frustration in the industry here. Um, because you've got these businesses who are really struggling, um, who have set up, you know, a few years, um, and that they're sort of working at sort of twenty five percent financially, um, and then you've got these newbies starting up um, who, you know, are, are cheap and they're just trying to to get their name out there and and do it. So it's kind of a bit of a weird situation. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, because you have so many you know, market forces going on there uh, to to have that. And, and I would never have thought of people taking this opportunity. Maybe they were on furlough from their job or maybe they would just quit and decided, hey, I can be a dog walker. I'll start right now. And the impact that that would have. 
so that's really interesting to hear that you have businesses on the decline, but you also have an increasing number of businesses competing for who knows how number many of clients are still available when where you are. It's a really uncertain time because, as I say, you know, some of our customers will continue to work from home and maybe not need us quite so much. But then you've got this massive influx of people getting puppies um, because, right. again, over lockdown, their mental health, maybe, you know, they've, they've thought, I need to have something, you know, I want to have a pet um, and, you know, I really want a dog. And so you've got all of these puppies um, surfacing. So businesses in the pet industry here are sort of like, is it going to be <laughs> all of a sudden a boom come September when the schools go back? Because, right. you know, all these new puppies will need walking because all their owners are back to work. Or is it going to be like everyone's working from home and doesn't need anyone? Um, so it's really it's really unusual. But, um, yeah. <laughs> We'll have to watch this space, I suppose. <laughs> right, absolutely. There's so many, so many unknowns and so many forces outside of our own control that we're just kind of having to watching, waiting, and seeing. Um, but you have been doing stuff to prepare for those puppies. I think you've been taking some some trainings and things like that. So, what kind of things are you doing to prepare for people who have lots of puppies, or prepare for the influx of puppies? Yeah, I mean, it, it's largely the training classes at the moment um, where we do puppy socialization and um, puppy play dates um, and the obedience training for beginners as well. It's just getting them to, you know, work with their dog, grow that bond, you know, get to know us as a company. Because, you know, these, as you mentioned, many people may have got a puppy unprepared or unaware of the consequences or the work, or they may now go back to work and now go, okay, what do I do with, with my new dog? Uh, and so doing something on, on your end to be prepared and start marketing and communicating that to the people that, hey, we're here, our services are ready when you need us. We're, we're trying to put our name out there as much as we can <laughs> yeah. in preparation um, because we want our staff to come back off furlough, you know, and um, get back to, to normal. Right. Now, on, on your staff, um, how many do you have when they're not being furloughed? At, at present, it's just um, myself and husband, and um, okay. we have a, another lady working for us. Because that is an impact that's not just to you guys, but to the people that you had on your team as well. Yeah. I mean, pre-lockdown, um, we were interviewing for a, a job um, for a new dog walker to join us. Um, we were looking forward to adding to our team, you know, and we were looking to expand. We were looking to buy our own land. And mm. um, all of those plans have now fallen by the wayside. <laughs> um, but we're, we're hopeful that, you know, with the influx of new puppies and, you know, people returning to work, that we might be adding to our team. Yeah, that may be a 2021 goal as opposed to maybe a 2020 goal, but still having that and still doing what you can to prepare for that when it does become available. Did you ever have to shut down or stop offering services in your area? Yeah, we did. As soon as lockdown was um, introduced, we stopped to protect our customers. We have a lot of elderly customers who um, may be more vulnerable. So in terms of protecting everybody, we thought it best to stop and cease all operations. Um, and, um, yeah, 
it was really difficult to be honest um it was really hard work because I'm a I wouldn't say I'm a workaholic but (laughs) I do I do keep myself busy to stop myself getting into trouble um so it was quite (laughs) quite difficult but um we we didn't stop working during lockdown um we stopped our dog walking and, and dog training but we were um producing um, training videos on YouTube for our customers to provide them with a bit of structure and routine um, and just help with the dogs, really, you know, and help with the owners as well. It just gave them something to watch and and, and to participate in to, you know, improve their mental health as well. So we, we were doing videos um, and it gave me a chance to write my book. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. You spent some of your time over lockdown writing a book. So, uh, it's where did that idea come from? I guess what's the title, uh, and and why did you decide to write it? I've been wanting to write a book for a while, um, <laughs> and this just gave me the opportunity. And the reason I wrote it largely was because of all the weird and wacky things that happened to us as dog walkers that are just hilarious that you can't even make up. So it's full of those sorts of stories. Uh, The book is called Waggy Tales, An Adventure into Dog Walking. And it's it's got three core elements, really. It talks through my personal journey of becoming a dog walker and my background and how I set up my business. And it takes you all the way up to um, lockdown. Um, so it, it goes through, you know, quite an emotional journey of what I went through with with my dog Milo and, you know, my last dog as well. With that, I wanted to make it informative as well. So it's got tips and advice for people with puppies or rescues. It's got a chapter on reactive behaviours um, and also things like with nutrition as well. Um, and health of your dog and check-in and inspections and and things like that so it's kind of informative as well it's got those um, things in but largely it's it's the funny um feel good factor I would say you know I wanted because a a lot of people got really down over lockdown um you know there was quite a lot of people getting depressed um, and really suffering from isolation and, and that sort of feeling so I wanted to create something that was fun and that you could just curl up on the sofa with your dog you know get the book out have a read and have a laugh it just seems like to have fallen at the exact perfect time you were wanting to do this you never had time now you've got time and the elements that you talk about and the whole purpose behind it are to make people smile right and to help help people get through this really difficult time yeah and the story kind of follows how again you know i had trouble with my own dog you know, I've made mistakes with my dogs and I've done the wrong things. But it's it's that sort of positive. You, It doesn't matter what you've done um, that's gone wrong. You can change it. Um, and, you know, you can have a dog like mine that's fine now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> we all make mistakes. Don't dwell on the mistakes and don't beat yourself up, you know, like I did you know, move on. And there's people out there who can help and and get help, you know, um, talk to people, go to puppy parties and, you know, 
search for dog behaviorists and and you know get advice there's people out there who want to help you yeah it sounds like you've taken some of those elements too from your your in-person trainings and that support and that that sympathy and that being able to empathize with dog owners coming from this and putting that into to book form so they can know I'm not alone. And there's so much out there that maybe I didn't know about, or maybe I did, but it seemed kind of scary to start looking into and taking their hand and going, it's going to be okay. Let's walk through this together. (laughs) Yeah, it is like that. You know, I I think the most important thing for me is I know what it's like to have this terror of a dog. (laughs) You know, I've been through it. I've lived through it. And it's, it's not nice. You know, people will judge you, you know, they don't want to talk to you. I mean, there's a there's a chapter in the book about friends. You know, I was hoping that getting a dog, I would make new friends in this new new area I, I moved to. And it, it wasn't the case because I had to avoid people because my dog was so aggressive. Oh. Um, and so it's it's kind of a funny spin on that, I suppose. But it's it's you're not alone. Get the help that you need. And um, because there's some absolutely wonderful professionals out there that just want to help. And you mentioned that part of it too was to make people smile and kind of tell some of these wacky things that happen to us as as dog as pet sitters and as dog walkers. So uh, without giving too much away from the book, what's one of your funniest or maybe wackiest uh, stories that you have uh, while while being a, a dog walker? Um, well, one of them was walking a group of six dogs on the beach and um, I stupidly thought that I could get through a little barbed wire fence and um i didn't quite manage it and i got impaled like a bat um and the dogs all thought it was some sort of fun game because they were all off lead so they were just bouncing off me um (laughs) as i was completely stuck on this barbed wire and then i had to strip um to free myself (laughs) with people watching me um no Oh no! So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I had to remove all my layers um, to because I, I got caught in the back. So the only way to release myself was to um, to, to, to strip off a bit. Um, but yeah. it, it's these sorts of things that are just they happen to people all of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> they, they, they they do, and it's one of those things like there's no way you could have prepared for that or read a book. I guess now you could read a book to prepare for that. But beforehand, before this, there was no resources about what to do in cotton barbed wire with six dogs off lead. Like you just, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's great. The, the, the more I struggled, the more they jumped on me. So um, yeah, it was a fun day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> your husband helped do the illustrations and you work with him in your business. So what's it like working with him on that on a day-to-day basis? Great. <laughs> a lot of people are, are quite amazed that um we work so well together but um we're quite different he grounds mm. me and slows me down um which i need because i'm ultra fast and ultra busy um but also he makes me laugh a lot and he makes me realize to appreciate things more um and yeah it's just it's like working with your best friend really you know you have a laugh um, there's some great banter and um, I, I trust him completely um, you know and it's it's really nice that he's got my back if the dogs start having a fight or something you know um, he's usually first in um, mm. to, to, to stop them uh, not that it happens regularly but yeah having somebody that you know has your back that you can trust 
explicitly without having to think twice to, to, to help come in and help you or to already be one or two steps ahead of you and just have that great, I mean, talk about working relationships. When you know somebody that well, it really does just make that process a lot smoother. Yeah. I mean, we've been together like 19 years. So like, <laughs> we, we, you know each other. We, yeah. we know <laughs> each other very well. And um, <laughs> I don't know how he puts up with me, to be honest. Um, he must be a saint. Um, but he's he's really um, thrilled about the book because obviously doing the illustrations, it's brought out his slightly hidden talent for um, producing these quirky animal pictures. And um, he's set up his own little um, sideline to sell them. It's really nice to have something that's just his. I like hearing that this one project brought out two sides of each other, right? You were able to do some writing that you'd always been wanting to do. And he's got this, all of a sudden, this really awesome knack for illustrating and drawing that wouldn't have happened or wouldn't have come together in any other way. Yeah. I I mean, he hasn't stopped drawing since um, I wrote the book. Um, And he was sort of adamant that I should write another book so that he could illustrate that as well. And I was like, I need stories. So um, (laughs) we're hoping... (laughs) <laughs> we're hoping that there'll be more books in the pipeline because it's been really well received you know a lot of yeah. a lot of the customers who bought bought the book um have said that it's just hilarious and um oh. it's just such an easy read because it's like me talking um yeah. and it, that's why it's so different from any other dog books at, at the moment because you've got a lot of dog books that are just sort of quite heavy training manuals or like a sort of personal emotional story about a dog overcoming something perhaps. Um, And those are the two sort of genres uh, that are most popular, I guess. Um, Whereas mine is just a lot more lighter and, you know, positive, I hope. Um, And and hopefully will inspire people to, you know, really seek help if they need it and enjoy their their dog. Where can people go and, and find the book and go buy it? Uh, it's on Amazon, so that makes it easy. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, uh, just type in Waggy Tales and Adventure into Dog Walking, and it should come up. Um, it's available on um, ebook and paperback. What are some of your favorite tools, equipment, or maybe recommendations you have that you like to use and think others should be using as well? There's a few actually. Um, in terms of outdoor walking, um, I have a belt that I use. Um, that I put together myself, which is a bit of a lifesaver, actually. Um, And it allows me to walk like six dogs hands-free. It stops them pulling quite so much um, because when they're on your hands, they might sniff a bush and just pull you over. um, And you get lots of shoulder pains, actually, um, with dog walking. Um, So when I developed the belt, it was fantastic. (laughs) A lot lot easier and uh, certainly easier to pick up poo whilst being attached to different dogs um so that was great um i do use um an ankle happy at heels harness which is a no pull harness and it's like self-correcting so any big pullers i tend to use the harness for them i also have like a dicky bag it's cool um i don't know if you have them over there um but it's 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 a container for storing your your dog poo and um, it's, it limits the smell. So if you can't find a bin, um, you can put, put them in your bag and carry them with you and it's washable and that's a really good piece of kit. But for on the field, on my secure field, um, I like the long leads, you know, the, like the training lines. 
because a lot of our dogs start off on them and um, just so that we can grab them if they're getting a bit um over exuberant <laughs> and we can stop them if they're trying to run away too much so the long leads are pretty good i also have a portable shower which has been <laughs> really useful um okay. you know for dogs that, that roll in in fox poo or um other unmentionables um, just to yeah. hose them down, it's been really good. And also brilliant at the moment for disinfecting all the van and things. I, that's really cool. I never would have thought of, of taking out a portable shower to do that kind of stuff. But it's a tool that just makes those processes so easy. Yeah. I mean, the amount of, you know, if you ever have diarrhea in your van um, oh. when you're transporting <laughs> dogs, Honestly, a pair of rubber gloves and a portable shower, you're good to go. Go. (laughs) (laughs) This is the sort of thing that's in the book, by the way. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, and on that note of of learning things about the life of a pet sitter, uh, what advice would you give to other dog walkers? Um, Maybe they're just getting started or uh, maybe they've been in the business a while, but maybe something that you wish everybody knew. A big thing of it is that people think the job is quite easy. And when I tell them that I'm a dog walker, they say, oh, what a wonderful job. <laughs> and they don't quite understand the level of responsibility that comes with it because you have to watch those dogs. And that, that constant concentration is quite exhausting, actually. But, you know, to be a good dog walker, I really think that you need to be able to Keep an eye on the dog's behavior, their temperaments, their body language, all of the time, you know, to really, you know, assess that their play is okay and they're happy and that they're all having a good time um, and to stop any sort of conflicts. You know, it only takes them to find a stick and to get possessive over a stick and they can have a little snap and a little girl at each other <laughs> you know so you've got to be on it um, and to be a good dog walker it's it's really tough to keep your eyes on them all of the time Elise, I want to thank you so much for coming on today and sharing how your history with reactive dogs and your own dogs have really impacted the way you deal with others and the services that you offer and just the great community that you're building where you are and allowing people to get connected and let them know that they're not alone Uh, And I know there's so much going on and people may have more questions for how they can deal with reactive dogs or help guide their clients' reactive dogs. So how can people get in touch with you and follow along with everything that you're doing? Um, Well, we have a Facebook page uh, where we put all our dog videos and and photos up and you can contact me on that. Uh, That's Canine Company UK. But we also have our website, uh, which is caninecompany.co.uk. And you can message me on that. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on today. Again, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you. What I love about Elisa's story is that she looked around her and said, you know what? There are things that I can do that I have experienced that I can make better for other pet owners. She understands where people with reactive dogs are coming from. And she tailors her services, her training, and her business to meet those exact needs. We want to thank you so much for listening this week and for all the love and support that you give to us. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet, for making this show possible, for allowing us to bring these kind of stories to you every single week. If there's a story that you want told, maybe it's your own, 
you can email us at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. Check out our website and everywhere on social media at Pet Sitter Confessional. We hope you have a wonderful week and wonderful weekend, and we'll be back again soon. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.